From the hallowed hallways of Shed High School, from WSHDLP Eastport, this is Round the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane from Eastport, Maine. Stay tuned for historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world. You are tuned to the Round the World Conservatory of the Arts radio correspondence course. We are pleased to welcome Professor Nadia Boulangerie. Professor, what will we be covering in this general introductory lecture? First of all, I would like to thank you young students for inviting me into your living rooms and pickup trucks. Today, you will be starting a very exciting journey down the path of becoming a Renaissance person. A path that requires 10,000 hours of concerted effort in music and dance, as well as art. Yes, and today we'll embark on hour one of those 10,000 hours right here in this course. That's right. And we will start with the study of music. Do we have a recording that will showcase the C major scale? Oh, hang on. Let me check the jukebox here in the faculty lounge. Uh, yep, we're in luck. For our first exercise, we will be playing along with the recording anytime a scale is played. The C scale is just the white keys on the piano. Once the music starts, just fish around until you find some notes that are being played and, and then go up one note at a time and back down again with the music. Are we ready? Yes, ma'am. Here is Johnny Johnson with his 1924 orchestra climbing up the scale. Good luck, students. Thank you. 
Welcome back to the Around the World Conservatory of the Arts Radio Correspondence Course. We just completed our first musical exercise, playing the C major scale, courtesy of Johnny Johnson and his orchestra with the 1924 Climbing Up the Scale. We're here with eminent musicologist Professor Nadia Boulangerie, who has pointed out that achieving mastery in any art form requires 10,000 hours of concerted and focused practice. That's correct. Uh, It is highly honorable to endure the first months and years of sounding like an amateur, fumbling over the keys and scratching away at the violin in order to ultimately approach sublimity. Now, Professor, I see in the low-powered DJ quarterly that the Kingsley Research Labs have developed what they call a mastery accelerator. Simply place the wired cap on your head and sit back and relax as scales, lessons, etudes, and studies are implanted in your brain, skipping over thousands of hours of practicing. I am not a fan of these gimmicks. With such a gadget as you describe, everyone plays the same, dances the same, creates the same artwork. Everyone's brain is wired differently, and the importance of being an artist is what we ourselves bring to it as individuals. Now, for our next exercise, we will once again tackle the C major scale, only in an accelerated and more sophisticated format. Okie doke, and here to assist our student listeners is Art Young with his 1948 Boogie on the Scales. Get ready to play along. Thank you. 
practice makes perfect Let's try that old embrace In some romantic place Where we can take our time If practice makes perfect Just close your eyes again We'll try those sighs again And make them more sublime We're in love's kindergarten Learning from A to Z And if it's fun just starting Think what it's gonna be If practice makes perfect Let's have that kiss again We mustn't miss again We're not doing bad right now That was Al Stewart and Bob Chester with his 1940 orchestra reminding us that practice makes perfect. We are broadcasting from the faculty lounge of the Around the World Conservatory of the Arts. Professor Nadia Boulangerie is conducting the introductory course on artistic mastery, becoming a Renaissance person. We've had two exercises on the C major scale. What's next, Professor? Well, we are not done with the C major scale just yet. It is time to work on smooth rapidity, rhythmic accuracy. I will point out that when you feel you can't get your hands to do exactly what you want, try singing or talking along. Remember, if you can say it, you can play it. And we just happen to have a good example. Here is a new 1944 exercise in swing in which the Johnny Guarneri trio hums along as they play. Now, students, do your best to keep up.
And we attempted to play along with the new exercise in swing, along with the 1944 Johnny Guarneri Trio, who, by the way, hummed along as they were playing as an aid to rhythmic accuracy. This was followed by Audrey Blaine with Ted Wilson and his orchestra from 1934. Why don't you practice what you preach? We're here with Professor Boulangerie at the Round the World Conservatory of the Arts. Are we done working on scales yet? Well, we started with the C major scale, slowly, then rapidly, then smoothly. Now we will work on scales in a variety of other keys, starting with G flat, then B, then G, then G flat, then B, then A flat. All right, we'll do two versions of Ragging the Scale. First Conway's Band from 1915, then Buddy Weed will pull out the stops in 1950. Okay, here we go, starting in G-flat major.
doubleheader of Ragging the Scale. First, we heard the 1915 Conway's Band version, followed by Buddy Weed in 1950. All right, very good, students. That's enough scales for today. We move next to arpeggios. Now, aren't arpeggios where you play a chord one note at a time? That's correct. Well, Dolly Don and her 1938 Don Patrol have some good arpeggios for us to practice along with. Here is my heart is taking lessons.
Ten Easy Lessons. That was Ruth Gaylor with Bunny Berrigan and his 1938 orchestra, before which we practiced our arpeggios with Dolly Don and her Don Patrol, whose heart was taking 1938 lessons. You're listening to WSHDLP Eastport, and this is Round the World Conservatory of the Arts Radio Correspondence Course on Artistic Mastery, featuring esteemed doyen Professor Boulangerie, who tells us that mastery requires 10,000 hours of deliberate practice. And I would emphasize the importance of working under the guidance of a teacher who can assess the student individually and determine what would be the next step for them to actually develop and improve. Otherwise, the students could have the same one hour of practice 10,000 times. Yes. Now, let's put our musical instruments aside carefully and get up and stretch, because now we will begin our dancing lessons. And here are six 1940 lessons from Madame Lazanga, described by Marianne McCall with Charlie Barnett and his orchestra, after which we will practice the cha-cha. <laughs> Have you ever been embarrassed when you're in a smart cafe? When they play the Cuban tempo, is your dancing quite passe? There's a studio on Main Street over Tony's clothing store where a very small investment pays you dividends galore. Six lessons from Madame Lazanga. You'll do the rumba and the new Lacanga. Six lessons in 
Adam's Cabana And you will imagine You're down in Havana Her four Latin daughters Will help you to start While finding the rhythm You might lose your heart Six lessons from Madame Lazanga And you'll discover What practice can do You count one, two, three Use your hip and your knee It's bound to bring out The Latin in you Chiquita gives you lesson two. Madam's there to supervise every step of exercise. The madam shows you how to walk. The madam marks it with her chalk. When the madam starts to squawk, that's her Cuban double talk.
we heard about six dancing lessons from Madame Lazanga, narrated by Marianne McCall, who was assisted by Charlie Barnett and his orchestra in 1940. After that, we got up off of that thing and did the cha-cha. And I see through my radioscope that many of you beginner dancers made some very valiant attempts and show great promise. Okay, kids, I see by the course syllabus that it's time to learn painting. So set up your easels and whip on that smock and grab your palettes. Yes, let's uh, start with a free-form painting utilizing brown, the color of acorns, bears, owls, and mud. Think of chocolate. Chocolate and sand and sparrows. Let this music be an inspiration. Here's a 1937 study in brown by Glenn Gray and the Casaloma Orchestra.
Study in Brown by Glenn Gray and the 1937 Casaloma Orchestra. Very interesting artistic output by our radio students, inspired by the color brown. Now let's add some green to the canvas. Think of jade and pythons, foliage and frogs, emeralds and invasive green crabs. Here's a study in green from 1938 with Larry Clinton and his orchestra to help things along.
Musical Study in Green by Larry Clinton and his orchestra from 1938 to help our students start out their first hour of painting mastery, the first of 10,000 hours required to become Da Vinci's. We also heard 1936 Lessons in Love featuring the Adrian Rollini Orchestra. Yes, this is the Round the World Radio Correspondence Course in Becoming a Renaissance Person, led by distinguished professor Boulangerie. Earlier, we practiced musical scales and arpeggios, and then we learned the cha-cha. Let us continue our painting with accents of red. Think cranberries and roses and lobsters and stop signs. Larry Clinton and his orchestra is back once again with a 1938 study in red. Thank you. 
been kissing? Who's been teaching you? You've been taking lessons in love from somebody new. Don't you lie to me. Tell me the truth. Who's your new professor? In astronomy, underneath the stars of above, is he better than me? I thought I knew a few tricks, girl, that you was too young to know. But lately you've learned some new tricks. Oh, mercy. Makes me feel so really Victorian. Ah, oh, it's not hard to figure. No, no. One and one makes two. You've been taking lessons in love from somebody new. A 1938 study in red, created by Larry Clinton and his orchestra. Also heard was Fats Waller in his 1935 rhythm. You've been taking lessons in love. This completes our first canvas. Congratulations, students. Now, set that canvas aside and, and set up a new one. I want you to create a surreal image taken from a dream that didn't make logical sense. The house with no door. The boat made out of butterflies. A superhighway on the rings of Saturn. Larry Clinton once again with a 1940 study in surrealism.
Study in Surrealism by Larry Clinton and his 1940 orchestra, inspiration for our radio correspondent students to tackle their first canvas in surrealism. And this wraps up the Round the World course in becoming a Renaissance person. We'd like to thank our illustrious professor, the world-renowned Nadia Boulangerie, who graciously agreed. In summary, mastery requires 10,000 hours of concerted practice and effort under the guidance of a teacher or mentor. Congratulations on completing the first hour of your mastery. This is Round the World with Cracklin' Jane. We pause now for station identification. You're listening to WSHDLP Eastport. Welcome to Hour 2 of Round the World with Cracklin' Jane. It's time for our radio correspondent students to sit back, relax, and lend an ear to the travails of others on the path to mastery. We hear next a 1944 episode of The Life of Riley, in which Junior takes piano lessons. So let's listen. Here he is, folks. You first saw him on the screen as the Brooklyn Marine in Wake Island. Soon, he'll hand you a wallop as the first mate in two years before the mast. He's Hollywood's magnificent mug. Go on, call me names. But remember what Shakespeare said. He who steals my purse steals cash. But he who steals my brain steals trash. <laughs> no, that don't sound right. <laughs> William Bendix in The Life of Riley. The Life of Riley. The lunch hour whistle has just blown at the Los Angeles aircraft plant where Riley works, thus affording Riley the opportunity of indulging in two of his favorite pastimes, eating and talking. We find him now doing just that in the company of his two co-workers, Jim Gillis and Echo Wallaby. Yes, sir, Riley, I'm a lucky father. That's what Gillis is, a lucky father. I'm a lucky father, too. Pass the salt, Riley. Uh, yes, sir. Father don't get no greater pleasure than to have a talented son. Yeah, a son with talent. I got a talented son. Pass the pepper, Riley. Uh. <laughs> now, you take my boy, Eggbite. When that kid sits down at the piano to play, mighty. Well, now, you take my boy, Junior. He can take a baseball and throw you it. You should have heard Eggbite last night. The way he knocked off that Moonlight Sonata, mighty. Murder. Well, my boy Junior can take a ball seat and throw Believe it. Believe me, Echo, and... I'm not bragging. <laughs> but my boy sat on that piano stool just like Josie I. Turby. Yeah, Josie I. Turby. Well, my boy Junior can take a ball and throw it. Do me a favor, we... Riley. Take that ball and throw it already. <laughs> yeah, throw it already. Believe me, I know how to bring up my boy, Riley. When he's invited out to a party, one thing he ain't gonna be... He ain't gonna be no wallflower. He sits down and knocks off a couple of sympathies. But what did your junior do? <laughs> what did your junior do? Start pitching caves in the parlor? Of course, if you don't want to take no interest in the boy... Now, 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 wait a minute, Gillis. Who says I don't take an interest in my boy? Don't I feed him? Don't I dress him? Ain't I always correct on his grammar? <laughs> <laughs> well, that ain't enough. Uh, the law says you gotta do that. That's what the law says. It's the duty of a father to try to give his kid a little culture. Otherwise, you're letting the boy down. Riley, you're wrecking his life. 
Listen, Echo, it's bad enough you repeat everything Gillis says, but don't improve on it. <laughs> but, gee, Gillis, I, I never looked at it like that. I wouldn't want to let my boy down while I'm bringing him up. Well, then teach Junior music, like I did Egbert. Why, he's only been studying six months, and next Thursday, he's auditioning for a scholarship at Miss Pringle's School of Music, Pico Boulevard Branch. <laughs> a scholarship? Does Egbert play that good? Sure. But this scholarship ain't for how good you play. It's how much promise the kid shows. Music appreciation. Gillis, there's something in what you say. You know what? I'm renting a piano on my way home from work. And when my boy Junior goes out to a party, believe me, he ain't gonna be no wallpaper. <laughs> Remember I told you if you were a good boy and did your homework and helped your mother and didn't fight with your sister, I'd get you something nice? Well, I did. Oh, boy, Pop. What is it? A football? No. Uh, it's something bigger. Something you always wanted. Give me a hand. Well, it's about this high and it's got pedals. Oh, boy, a bicycle. No, no, but you're getting warm. Oh, come on, Pop. Tell me. Okay, come on. I'll show it to you. You're going to love this. Huh? There it is. A piano? Yes, sir. Junior, you're going to take piano lessons. <laughs> but, Pop, you just said I was a good boy. <laughs> you're growing up, Junior. You've got to think of the future. I want you to be talented like other boys, like, like Egbert Gillis, so I can be proud of you. But, Pop... Oh, boy, I wish I had a chance like this when I was a kid. The nearest I ever got to a piano was when I helped my father move one. Can't you see, Sonny? I'm trying to give you a little culture. Oh, I don't want culture, Pop. I want to be like you. <laughs> um, anyway, what good is music? What good is music? Well, Junior, music makes everybody happy. The, the one who plays it, the one that listens to it. Someday you'll be sitting at that piano playing the Moonlight Sinatra. <laughs> Junior, this is going to make your mother and me very happy. Oh, okay, Pop. I'll huh? take lessons. Yeah. But I'll start next week. Well, why can't you start right away? Well, because uh, I'm busy all this week. I got something important to do. Why? Well, uh, uh... Uh, I knew it. You're just stalling. Listen, Junior, up to now I've been talking to you man to man. But now I see I'll have to reason with you. <laughs> I paid Professor Manetti 30 bucks in advance to give you lessons. He'll be here at 7 o'clock to give you your first lesson. And you'll be here. But, Papa, I can't. That's no use talking. You might as well learn the truth of an old saying. You can't put off until tomorrow what your father makes you do today. <laughs> gotta go, Mr. Riley. You boy, Junior, he's a still and no here. Already I'm away to 30 minutes, and you wait to 30 minutes, that's an hour, all shot. Well, I don't know why he ain't here, Professor Manetti. I, I told him about the lesson. Maybe he'll be here soon. Couldn't you wait No, just no, to... no, I got a schedule. I can't wait too long. It's too bad. I'm so sorry you got a loser the money for this first lesson. <laughs> yeah, I... I can see you're sorry. <laughs>
I wouldn't like to lose that money. But, but, look, Professor, is the first lesson hard? No, it's just so easy any dope could learn. Okay, then you teach it to me. <laughs> and then I'll teach it to Junior, and that way he can start off next week with lesson two without losing no time. Huh? Oh, I see. You're going to be the middleman, huh? <laughs> see, I'm a teacher. All right. Let us commence from the commencement. First, to tell what do you know about the piano? Well, this here is called the stool, and to make it higher, you turn it to the right or left. <laughs> I'm a see. That's answer to my question. You don't know nothing. Well, I wouldn't say that. I, I play the harmonica, and I guess it's the same principle as the piano, only your piano's too heavy to pick up and put in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Jimmy, what I gotta go through to make a little spaghetti. <laughs> go ahead, the pigeon, and sit on a stool. Okay, Professor. Now, listen and no talk. No. I'm going to play notes and tell you the names. Uh-huh. C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C. You catch? Oh, well, sure, but I got a good memory. You can go all the way up to Z. I... <laughs> Mr. Riley, there's a no Z in the piano. Why? There's a no Y either. Oh. And there's a no O. Please, select the meat piece. I mean, uh, please uh, let me teach. Well, all right. Listen. C, a D, E, F, a G, A, a B, a C, C, a B, a A, a G, a F, a E, a D, a C. Now you try. All right, just move over there. C, D, E, G, A. Wait, wait, you miss F. Don't, don't, don't get excited. I'll get it on my way back. <laughs> instrument is hard in the beginning, Junior. When I first started on the rivet machine, I was all thumbs. Now, now, I'll show you how to do the scale and then you try, huh? C, E, F, A, You see? Now you try. No, no, no. You got it all wrong. It, it goes like this. <laughs> Be able to play. Don't talk like that, Junior. Remember, O'Reilly never says die until he's been dead six months. <laughs> O'Reilly, where's Junior? Dumplin'. Junior's just going into practice. We mustn't make no noise. So you finally got him to practice. After five days of arguing. Well, sure. I, I found out that when I watched him, it made him subconscious. So now I'm leaving him alone. You see, Peg, you've got to know how to handle a boy. Let's sit in the kitchen. Hey, Egbert. Egbert. Egbert Gillis. Here I am, Junior. Shh. I'm in the window. What's up, Junior? Why'd you phone me to come over? Listen, Egbert. You want to play on my football team, don't you? Do I? Gee, what do I have to do? Oh, just sit down at the piano and practice scales for me. 
I got something very important to do. What, Junior? Never mind what. I'll be back in an hour. But your father, he... I made him promise not to come in. Then I got the door locked. He'll think it's me if you don't practice too good. Start playing. I'll be back soon. Okay, Junior. But don't leave me here too long. Listen to them scales. And he only had one lesson, which I gave him. Oh. <laughs> I can hardly believe my ears. Let's go and take a peek at it. No, 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 no. We'll spoil the mood. Listen to that boy play. And he's only using two hands. Yes, I'm a little excited, Junior. Have a cigar. I, 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 mean, I mean, here's a nickel, Junior. Junior, uh, it was wonderful. Uh, Play some more for yeah. us. Yeah, go on, Junior. We didn't hear so good in the kitchen. Here, well, uh, you see, my my wrists are a little tired. Oh, well, well, then don't you play another note. I, I'd watch your hands to get a Charlie horse. <laughs> oh, I think I'll go get a sandwich. Oh, sure, anything you want. Get, get two sandwiches, then. Oh, Junior, Junior. Yes, Pop? Oh, be careful. Don't get your fingers caught in the icebox. <laughs> oh. oh, he's a swell kid. And you said I wouldn't get him to practice. Why, a few lessons more to... Peg. Peg, I just got a brainwave. What, dear? They're giving a scholarship contest at Miss Pringle's music school tomorrow. Well, I'm going to enter Junior. I'll show that wise guy Jim Gillis the kind of a boy I got. <laughs> Junior's only had one lesson. Yeah, but that ain't the point. It's how much promise he shows. Now, listen. We won't even tell Junior that he's in the contest until I actually get him down to the music school. And then what a surprise somebody's going to get. <laughs> and now back to The Life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. Well, without telling Junior about it, Riley has entered his boy in a piano scholarship contest on the strength of hearing him practice scales after only one lesson. Actually, it was Egbert Gillis, Junior's friend, who did the practicing by secret arrangement with Junior. And Riley is blissfully unaware that Junior doesn't know one note from another. At the moment, Riley is luring Junior to the music school, and Junior is very suspicious. But, Pop, why are we going into this music school? You said you were taking me to a dentist. Oh, well, yeah, I, I said I was taking you to a dentist so you wouldn't get nervous. 
but Pop. Now, now, don't you worry, Sonny. Now, this ain't going to hurt a bit. Come on in. Oh, look, there's Jim Gillis. Hey, Gillis. Shh. No noise, Riley. Please, oh. that's Eggway playing well, a every scholarship. Sorry. Didn't know. Ah, oh, he's finished. Did you ever hear playing like that, huh? Well, passable, slightly passable. Oh, that's fine, Egbert. I knew you'd make it. Congratulations, Egbert. Congratulations, Gillis. But uh, you ain't the only one who's got a talented offspring springing off him. <laughs> right are you starting with that baseball again? <laughs> no, I'm talking about piano playing. Egbert ain't the only one that can win scholarships. I'm entering Junior. Me, Pop? Me? Well, sure, Junior. My boy's only had one lesson, but I bet you even your Egbert can't play scales like he does. No, no, Pop, listen. Gillis, if I were the bragging type, I'd probably say that with a few more lessons, Junior will make Egbert look like a bush leaguer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Pop, please listen. I can't play a note. Junior, you just go in there and play them scales the way you did at home. Go on. But, Pop, it wasn't me you heard. It was Egbert. And remember, I'm rooting for you, Junior. <laughs> Egbert, is this true? Well, I didn't mean any harm, Papa. Junior made me play for him. And mm, I, shut I, up, Egbert. Wanna... <laughs> thanks. Well, don't think it's so hard, Riley. After all, Junior can always play baseball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on, Junior. say something. There's nothing to say, Junior. I just made a mistake, that's all. Gee, I didn't think... I'm sorry. I guess maybe Jim Gillis is a better father than I am, that's all. That's why his son plays square with him. Pop, I didn't mean to let you down. Honest, I didn't. I wanted to take lessons. I wanted to practice, but... This week I had something important I had to do. Oh, you're starting that over again, huh? Well, it's true, Pop. Why, what'd you have to do? Well, you see... I can't tell you, Pop. You wouldn't understand. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't. I was fool enough to think that someday I'd walk into the lobby at Carnegie Hall and see a bust of your fingers. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Pop. Junior... I'm still your father. Nothing can change that. <laughs> but from now on, our relationship will be strictly business. I ain't giving you an allowance no more. You can get it from your mother. Okay, Pop. I'll give it to her. <laughs> if you don't mind, I'd... I'd rather walk home alone. Okay, Pop. I'll go. Uh... Uh, Junior, be careful how you cross the street. Is that you, Riley? Yeah, Peg, it's me. Well, dear, how'd everything... Well, what happened, Riley? 
You don't look very well. Don't let that fool you. I feel terrible. Well, where's Junior? Something go wrong at the music school? Peg, it was awful. A complete Nabisco. <laughs> Fiasco, dear. Junior disgraced us. Peg, remember that night that Junior played so nice on the piano? Yes. Well, the reason he played so nice was he wasn't playing. But uh, I heard no, him. He, he framed Jim Gillis's kid to play for him. He cheated us, Peg. Well, if Junior told us a lie, uh, a fib, he must have had a good reason. Yeah, that's just like you, Dumplin'. You always look at the bright side, especially when it's shady. Hello. Hello, Riley. Uh, this is Gillis. Oh, uh, it's that Gillis. Probably wants to crow some more about that goonies racing. I'll get rid of him. Hello, Gillis. Look, I, I can't talk to you now. I'm, I'm sitting in a bathtub. Oh, in the bathtub, huh? I happen to know your telephone is in the living room. I, I, I mean... Listen, Riley, in case you're still mad at that junior of yours... I've got a little dope. Yeah, but at least your dope can play piano. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I know why your boy done what he done. Why he got my kid to sit in for him and practice. Yeah? Why, Gillis? Well, Eggboy says your junior's been waking in the post office during the rush hour every afternoon to get some extra dope. Well, what for? Don't I give him 40 cents a week? Yeah, but Junior had to a stylish birthday present for some little dame he's in love with. My boy Junior uh, says Junior's crazy about this guy. Oh, uh, Peg, there's a girl in Junior's life. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, Peg, I don't see what's funny about that. Well, uh, thanks, Gillis. Uh, I figured it's my duty as a friend to keep you posted on what your kid's doing. Naturally, with my kid, I got no problems. I bring him up to respect me Goodbye, and to Gillis. listen to what... Peg, let's face it. I'm a failure as a father. We got a boy who'd rather hang around with a girl than practice the piano. A black sheep, huh, Riley? <laughs> Thirteen years old and all he thinks about is girls. Riley, do you remember when you were 13? Yeah. Did you ever think about girls? Did you say 12 or 13? <laughs> well, anyway, it, it ain't exactly as having a crush on a girl. It's, it's playing tricks in back of my back. Oh, Riley, uh, Junior's coming up the walk now. Uh, you have a nice talk with no, him. I'm all he... done talking to him. This time I'm letting him do the talking. But... He don't know I know the truth, so when he's all through with some new fairy story, then I'm going to really let him have it. Here he is. Now, don't oh, lose your temper. All right. Hello, Junior. Uh, your father wants to talk to you. Yeah? Mm. Hello, Pop. Good evening, Chester. <laughs> <laughs> Pop, uh, I've been thinking it over. I think I ought to tell you why I played such a dirty trick. Mm-hmm. No doubt you had some very good reason, no doubt. Well, no, sir. Well, what was the... Re How's that? Well, this girl, she's a girl a lot of guys like, and I did, too. And yesterday was her birthday. So I figured I'd make a hit with her if I gave her something big, like a big box of chocolates. It was five pounds and cost three bucks. 
I've been skipping practice to raise the money. Junior, let me give you some advice about girls of the opposite sex. <laughs> Junior, you can't buy love. When I was courting your mother, did I have to give her candy or perfume or expensive jewelry? No, I just gave her me. That was enough. Uh, you're right, Pop. Certainly. When I gave her the candy, she took it and went off driving with Skinny Hooper. The last I saw him, she was stuffing my chocolates in his mouth. Well, cheer up, Junior. Maybe they were stale. It'll never happen again, Pop. I'm through with women. Well, don't make no definite decisions on that. They may not be through with you. <laughs> but um, anyway, Junior, I'm proud of you for leveling with me. Well, that's okay, Pop. And listen, Pop. Yeah? I'm going to practice piano every day now, starting today. a boy. And you know something, Junior? If you practice hard, one of these days you're going to play just as good as that great Irish pianist, Paddy Ruski. <laughs> Come on in, sit down. Me and Junior here, we, 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 we're going to play a duet on the piano. Me on this here harmonica and Junior on the piano. Uh, uh, are you ready, Junior? Okay, Pop. All right. Home sweet home. Let her go. listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We've just heard a 1944 episode of The Life of Riley. Now, stay tuned for a 1950 episode of the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, in which Phil takes singing lessons. And now, the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Walter Sharp and his music, Yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Faye and Bill Harris. Today is the dawn of a new year, a dawn that brings the promise of happiness to some, of worldly gain to others, and despair to a few. At least that's the way it affects the members of the Harris household. Alice looks forward to it with happiness. I have a lot to look forward to this year. I'm a lucky girl to have two beautiful children and a husband to match. <laughs> Brother William's thoughts run, run along another line on this New Year's morning. 1950. One year closer to the time my war bonds mature. <laughs> and then there's Phil. Oh, my poor head. <laughs> oh, this is a 14-carat Clyde I got this. <laughs> oh, I 
I've never had such a headache. Oh, no wonder you have a headache after what you did last night. You're right, honey. Absolutely right. And that's the last time I read Shakespeare under a dim light. (laughs) Philip, you look awful. What happened last night? Where did you two go? We went to a soiree at the Musicians' Union. (laughs) Oh, heavens. Alice, is it safe to go to one of those affairs? Whatever made you do it? I don't know. Guess I like to live dangerously. (laughs) What are you talking about? It was a very orderly party. The cops only had to use tear gas three times. (laughs) I don't see how you can enjoy those things. Uh, Tell me honestly, Philip, did you have a good time? Did I have a good time? Did I have a good... Alice, did I? (laughs) Philip, don't you remember what happened last night? Willie, I told you I was too busy reading Shakespeare. You know something, Bill? That cat's a pretty good writer. (laughs) You know something? I just couldn't put down his story about how they cured the alcoholic. Shakespeare wrote a story about curing an alcoholic? Yeah, the taming of the stew. Oh, no. Alice, there's a bus leaving for Reno in 15 minutes. Get on it, please. What does she want to go to Reno for? This kid don't gamble. <laughs> Philip, it's about time you changed. And Oh, I... Willie, stop picking on Phil. I like him the way he is. Only because you're too young to know your own mind. I am not too young. You're so right. <laughs> go ahead, pick on him. Go on. Philip, what I'm trying to say is this. Today is the beginning of a new year, the dawn of a new decade. And it's an ideal time for you to take stock of all your human frailties and attempt to correct your many failings. In short, get with it, Wanga. (laughs) Oh, this kid's got too much time on his hands. Let me tell you something, Willie. Stop trying to come between me and Alice. I happen to be a very good husband. A good husband wouldn't take his wife to a brawl like the one you took Alice to last night. I told you it wasn't a brawl. It's just a bunch of musicians at play. <laughs> you know how those guys are. They're just mischievous little imps. And you should have seen the lead imp, Frankie. <laughs> The last time I saw him, he was crawling around on the floor, biting people in the leg. Was not. He was just giving somebody a hot foot. Of course, I'll admit that Frankie enters into the spirit of those things a little more than anybody else. In fact, the way he carried on last night, I doubt if he'll ever be... Hiya, Curly. Rimley, are you still alive? I don't know. The coroner's report hasn't come in yet. Well, party last night, wasn't it? After you left, we had a great time up to 3 o'clock, but then it quieted down. What happened? The veterinarian came in, gave us all this temper shot. <laughs> stop exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating, Alice. It was... <laughs> Guess my shot's starting to wear off. <laughs> That must have been the wildest affair you musicians ever had. Well, I wouldn't say that. 
Last year's was a beaut. That's when we held our survival of the fittest party. (laughs) (laughs) You remember that affair, Curly? Yeah. I lost the whole brass section at that one. (laughs) You know, Francis, you could stand a little straightening out for the new year, too. Curly? Yeah. What reform movement is little Carrie Nation on now? Eyes on my neck. He wants me to change my ways. Faultless little me. (laughs) He thinks I need improvement. (laughs) Isn't that ridiculous? No. You're not perfect, you know. Well, my fans think I am. I have universal appeal, and I'm loved by all three sexes, men, women, and children. <laughs> well, I get thousands of letters every week. Oh, by the be- way, Curly, I just came from NBC, and I brought your fan mail for this week. Here it is. One postcard. <laughs> One lousy postcard? Go ahead and read it to us, Philip. I'm anxious to find out how your multitude of fan feels about you. All right, all right, smart guy. I'll read it, and I'll guarantee it's full of raves. Listen to this. Dear Mr. Harris, I have followed your career in radio for many years, and I think that you're the most scintillating personality to hit the airwaves since Lucy Monroe. (laughs) Yours is the most entertaining show in radio, and I can't find a single thing wrong with it except... Well, go on. Well, I'd like to, but from here on out, this writing becomes a little unimaginable. Never mind, Phil, I'll read it. I can't find a single thing wrong with your show except for two glaring faults, which I'm sure you're aware of. And it's signed, uh, Your Ardent Fan, Sweeney. Two faults? Mm -hmm. Could I possibly have... No. The guy's a crackpot. If you weren't afraid to face the facts, you'd look this man up and find out what these faults are. Who's afraid? I'll go over and see this Sweeney guy right now. His address is on the postcard. Come on, Alice. You and Frankie come with me. I'll show you. What this guy Sweeney looks like? Well, if he's home, we'll soon find out. His card sounded like he's a very intelligent person. Oh, uh, how do you do, sir? Gee, it's people. (laughs) What was he expecting, a herd of llamas? (laughs) You keep quiet, Remley, please, a minute. Mr. Sweeney, um, I received a fan letter from you, and I, uh, I came to talk to you about it. You see, uh, my name is, uh, Phil Harris. Phil Harris? You mean the Phil Harris? My favorite radio star? The greatest personality in the history of show business? The one and only... Oh, Mr. Sweeney, don't over... Let this boy talk. (laughs) Mr. Sweeney, I know exactly how you feel about me, because I feel the same way. (laughs) Gee, to think that... That Phil Harris would come to my little house. <laughs> no, it can't be. You're not Phil Harris. Look, I tell you, I'm me. 
Now, what do I have to do to prove that I'm Phil Harris? Why don't you stagger for him a little? <laughs> that won't help. You'll think I'm you. <laughs> Look, Mr. Sweeney, I'm Phil Harris, and I can prove it to you. You see, I brought my wife with me. You uh, recognize Alice Faye, don't you? Gee, it is Alice Faye. Golly, I haven't been so thrilled since the time I got caught in a revolving door with Sonny Tufts. <laughs> see, Miss Faye, I used to love you in pictures. I went to see every picture you ever made. Oh, well, thank you very much. Say, you have a very nice voice. Why didn't you ever make a talkie? <laughs> crack like that and I'll have Frankie bite you in the leg. <laughs> I made talking pictures. Oh, I'm sorry. You, you got me so flustered, I, I don't know what I'm saying. Just being near you makes me tremble. I'm so nervous my knees are shaking. <laughs> What's that? Uh, my bicycle clips. <laughs> bicycle clips. Hey, do you wear them clips around our house? Yes, I, I do it to prevent catching cold. <laughs> I like that. That science is wonderful, ain't it, Remley? Yeah. Gee whiz, first antihistamine and now bicycle clips. <laughs> what will they think of next? I must be dense. Hey, Sweeney. How do bicycle clips prevent you from catching cold? Well, the house is very drafty, and they stop the cold air from blowing up my trouser legs. Yeah. <laughs> but, but let's not stand in the doorway. Oh, won't you please come in? Oh, thank you. Sit down. Uh, can I get you something to drink? Uh, I have some delicious dandelion wine. <laughs> Made it myself. Curly, I'm getting out Wait of a here. minute. Wait. <laughs> or if you'd rather have some grape wine, I think I have a little left. I used to make that myself, too, but I had to give it up. Why? Uh, do you see these purple slippers on my feet? What about them? They're not slippers. Come <laughs> I'm ready to go with you. So long, Sweeney. Now, wait, Phil, wait. Mr. Sweeney, in your card to Mr. Harris, you said there were two things you didn't like about his program. Do you mind telling us what they are? Well... I hesitate to mention it, but as long as you ask me, there are two things I don't like about this show. What are they? Your singing and Frank Remley. <laughs> now, just a minute, please. Mr. Harris, it's very incongruous that a man of your intelligence and breeding would associate with such a low character as Remley. <laughs> True. <laughs> He is beneath me, uh, but what is your objection to my voice, Sweeney? Oh, I have no objection to your voice. I love it. I just object to the way it's being wasted. Wasted? Yes. Your voice is far too good to be thrown away on the type of song you sing. You're great when you sing things like Old Master Painter. You have all the natural attributes of a, of a concert singer. Ah, Sweeney, don't be ridiculous. I ain't never going to... Concert singer, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, why not? Why can't I be a great singer? Because of your voice. 
that answer your question? I don't know. I've been told before that my voice has great qualities. Mr. Sweeney, may I tell you that I am deeply indebted to you? Uh, that's all right. It's been a pleasure having you people in my little house. Uh, Miss Faye, it's been so wonderful meeting you. I want to give you one of these as a little memento to sort of remember me by. Uh, just what I needed, a bicycle clip. <laughs> oh, thanks, Mr. Sweeney, but I couldn't accept it. Why, is it too personal? No. No, but I wouldn't want you walking around with a cold in one leg. Hey, Sweeney, I want to thank you again for your very constructive criticism. And look, I want you to drop over to our house and see us sometime. Drop in any time at all, huh? Thanks. Come on, Alice, Frankie, let's go. Come on. Let's not waste any time. Let's get in the car. Alice, which way is the Philharmonic Auditorium? You're not going to take this seriously. Why not? Sweeney's my public, and if my public wants me to be a concert singer, I owe it to them. Just because Sweeney tells you. Well, why not? Anybody can see he's a very intelligent man. Oh, yeah, the bicycle clips prove that. <laughs> Guy's a genius with purple feet. Well, honey, before you go ahead with this and make a fool of yourself, do me one favor. Get the opinion of a professional voice coach. If he thinks you have a good voice, I won't stop All you. right, all right. If it'll make you happy, I'll call a voice coach, and I'll have him come over to the house and listen to me. Oh, I can see the expression on his face as I raise my voice thusly. Stand back, Alice. Your bull is about to bellow. <laughs> The purple in the twilight is Mended a rainbow for the rainy days Dreamed up the murals on the blue summer skies Painted the devil in my darling's eyes Captured a dreamer with a thousand thrills An old master painter from the faraway hills Then came his masterpiece and when he was through He smiled out from heaven and he gave me you What a beautiful on that wonderful day, the old master painter from the hills far away. Gave me you what a beautiful job on that wonderful day. 
the old master painter from the hills far away, far away, far away. Flat scale is in perfect shape. <clears throat> Say, Alice, what time is that voice coach coming over? He'll, he'll be here any minute. Now, look, Phil, I called John Crown. He's one of the finest voice coaches in the country. And he's come o- coming over here to tell you you have a bad voice, so please listen to okay, him. Okay, I'm going to be... Sh- what do you mean he's coming over here to tell me I have a bad voice? You have the bad voice. <laughs> he hasn't heard me yet. Nobody can tell I got a bad voice until they hear me. What's bad voice? Oh, honey... Well, I don't mean you have a bad voice, but it isn't of concert quality, believe me. The very thought of you trying it worries me. Well, there's no need for you to worry, just because it's the end of the Phil Harris Alice Faye show. Now, when I start my new program, what I'll... What new program? The Rexall Concert Hour. <laughs> Starring Philip Harris and Margaret Truman. <laughs> going to take my place, huh? But don't you fret, Alicia. Don't you fret, because I'll manage to find a place for you as third soprano in the choir. <laughs> or if you prefer to take up the bassoon, I think I have a bassoon that'll fit you. <laughs> and now, if you'll excuse me, my dear, I must get my voice in shape, please. Hey, Remley, uh, yeah. will you hurry up with that throat spray, huh? I'll have it ready in a few minutes. Okay. Oh, I can hear me and Miss Truman doing a duet now. When I'm calling you, will you answer to alone, Julius. The name is Nelson. Shall we continue, Jeanette? <laughs> At this time, let's make it a walk so we can dance the last chorus. Right, be quiet, kid. Don't interrupt, Julius. Mr. Harris is rehearsing for the concert stage. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. I'm thinking of making my debut next week. <laughs> or maybe I'll make my debut in a fortnight. <laughs> Nine days. <laughs> At 
the Philharmonic Auditorium, if you please, and I'll be a sensation. No doubt. I guarantee you shall have a new record for the auditorium. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Hey, what's the record at the auditorium now? The last time I was there, the sign said the place could be emptied in five minutes, but I bet you cut it in half. <laughs> Never mind your little can stacker. <laughs> I happen to have a very fine voice. All my voice needs is somebody to train it. I know just the guy. Who? Frank Buck. <laughs> Tell you something, wise guy. Now, if you insist on hanging around here, you better make yourself useful. Now, go in the kitchen and see what's taking Remley so long with my throat spray. I got to get my voice warmed up. Come in the kitchen. We'll hold it over the gas. <laughs> oh, I got to prevent this. I can't let him do this to music lovers. <laughs> Hi, Mr. Remley. Oh, hi, kid. And, Mr. Remley, I just heard the bad news about Mr. Harris going in for concert singing. Yeah, ain't it awful? But don't worry, Julius. I'm going to save my pal from making a fool of himself. When that voice coach gets here, Curly won't be able to open his mouth. How do you know? I'm mixing the throat spray. <laughs> oh, allow me to help. Where's the air poison? I don't want to kill him. I just want to slow him down a little bit. I got the spray almost prepared. All I got to add are these three soothing ingredients. What are they? Alum, plaster of Paris, and rubber cement. <laughs> A splendid concoction. When this stuff hardens, he won't be able to open his yet. Precisely, Doctor. Well, it's all ready. Now all we have to do is spray Curly's throat every time he opens his mouth, and then hey, we'll... Remley, what's taking you so long to get the throat spray ready? It's all prepared. It's all prepared. Open your mouth. Oh, you got it, huh? <clears throat> okay. Hey, that stuff tastes good. Glad you like it. Here, have one for the road. <laughs> All right, I've had enough. Now, if you're still able to open your mouth, give him a booster shot, Mr. Remley. <laughs> oh, Phil. Yeah, honey. Oh, Mr. Crown has just arrived. Uh, here he is. Ah, at last. My voice coach is here. <laughs> Cut it out, Remley. I've had enough, I told you. Mr. Crown... Uh, this is my husband, Mr. Harris. How do you do, Mr. Harris? Your wife has told me all about you, and I am very anxious to hear your voice. And I don't blame you, Mr. Crown. You have a great treat in store for you. When I sing on the road to Mandalay, you'll hear what is probably the most gorgeous backbone in this country, which has never been fooled once when I sing on the road to Mandalay. <laughs> I beg your pardon. I said what I'm seeing. I'm trying to try Frankie, what's wrong with him? It's his age, Alan. <laughs> Please, I can't waste my time, Mr. Harris. I came to hear your voice, so please let me hear it. Stop it now. Sing on the road to Mandalay for the man. I took this home for East of Two Wheels. Run away from the right the way. Yeah, he forgot the voice. Let's help him out. On the road to Mandalay. Where did I? 
are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We have just heard a 1950 episode of the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. Phil takes singing lessons.
And for our bonus tracks today, we heard the 1946 Etude Brutus by Will Bradley and his orchestra, followed by the Anglo-Persians, who were ragging the scale in 1926. Thank you, dear friends. This concludes today's show. On behalf of around the world's staff of researchers, recording engineers, interns, and Victrola technicians, this is Cracklin' Jane. Thank you, and see you next week. Loudon, a.k.a. The Bass Lady. Join me for Jazz Potpourri, airing Wednesdays from 2.30 to 4.30 p.m., with a repeat on Saturdays from 4 to 6 p.m. From divas to crooners, from the streets of New Orleans to the clubs of Paris, with a little Latin added for spice, Jazz Potpourri is an auditory mix for your listening pleasure. Join me Wednesdays and Saturdays on 93.3 FM, WSHD LP, Eastport. I'm all about that base. Hey, have I got a radio show for you. Old Coasting comes at you twice a week. Thursday at 8, Sunday at 4. Right here on WSHDLP in Eastport, Maine, 93.3 FM. On Bold Coasting, we don't just play the music. Uh, we like to talk about it a little bit, too. It's music and commentary... It's a radio show with liner notes. You kids can ask your parents what that means. Mad Pad. Mad Pad. Tune in every Saturday night at 7 and again on Tuesdays at 8 for Philly Joe Remarkable's Mad Pad right here on WSHDLP Eastport, Maine. 93.3 93.3 on your FM dial. Man, take this crazy pad. Man, it's a mad pad. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport, broadcasting from the hallowed hallways of Shed High School. Tune in Mondays 4 to 6 p.m. for Around the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane featuring historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world, plus radio dramas from the golden age of radio. If you miss the show, don't despair. There's a repeat broadcast on Fridays, 6 to 8 p.m., and if you miss that, just go to www.cracklinjane.com and download or stream the show at your leisure. Come on by Sam's Caffeine Cafe every Tuesday and Thursday morning from 8 until 10 a.m. I'm Sam, the proprietor. I keep all the tables clean. There are no sesame seeds on the floor, no schmutz from the night before, just good music. The first hour, a little bit softer, some Americana, folk, blues, a little bit of jazz. But by 
and 9 o'clock. We are amped up on caffeine. We're playing up-tempo music all hour long. It's a grab bag. It's a fun place to hang out, and we would love to have you. We would. Please come by 93.3 WSHDLP Eastport. Hi, this is Craig Williams. I've been collecting music first on 45s, then LPs, cassettes, CDs, and digital files for over 40 years. From the obscure to the sublime and the familiar to the mundane, it's pretty much all pop music of just about any era or genre. And I call sharing it with you unabashedly playing favorites. Please tune in every Friday from 1 to 2 p.m. right here on WSHD LP Eastport 93.3 FM. 